Welcome to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50mm Media. Welcome to Life Behind Bars. In this week's episode, we're going to be talking all about holidays and celebrations behind bars in prisons. It sounds a bit weird to talk about celebrations within prisons, but there are obviously times of the year where that's exactly what happens. So every prisoner will have a birthday, happens once a year, um, for some prisoners more than once a year. Uh, there will obviously be Christmases and there will be certain holidays and then obviously the family holidays from prisoners that are behind bars. So today we're gonna to talk all about what happens in the environment behind bars, but also what happens for people outside of prison when their parents may be within the jails, and I'm talking specifically around kids. So um, I think, uh, Graham, it's probably a best, best place to start with you potentially, because you've obviously spent a lot more time behind bars than, than, than both of us, and you'll have seen a lot more of those kind of uh, occasions, I guess, mm. um, than, than Emma would have done. You were obviously in prison for a, for a few years, so you'll have seen Christmases and such like that, and that will obviously have a slightly different change, I guess, or, or, or um, I guess agenda, but your routine would have changed around Christmas and stuff, I'm, I'm assuming, with programmes and things. Um, sure, I, I can't actually remember. <laughs> <laughs> she's getting old, this is the thing. Um, I, sh I should say, actually, Emma's a little bit sick note today as well. She's still coughing and spluttering a little bit from, from, from being sick, so I think you're, you're kind of back with us. But I, I suppose it's interesting to go back, probably if you go back far enough in time, there would have been no real consideration of, of religion as, a, as, as a something that you would participate with a prisoner with. Remember, if you're going back far enough in history, prisoners were just thrown into big holes altogether, and they were mostly forgotten. There was nothing really organised for them to do. Then in the 16th, 17th century, when they came along, they started to start organised prisoners into single cells, separate systems. Religion would have played a bigger part in that prison sentence. Religion would have been part of the rehabilitation program uh, because if you go into the 1800s, these things were compulsory for prisoners to attend. Yeah. So there would have been hard labour, there would have been religion, education wasn't right at the top of that list. Their education was based around the religion. Yeah, and there would have only been one version of it. It was always about reading the Bible, wasn't it? It would have been about the Holy Bible. There would have been no allowance for any other religions. Not that if you go back far enough in history, there would have been that many. There would have been a very, very tiny minority of people. Yeah. A very tiny minority. And many of that might have been made up of the Jewish um, community rather than perhaps the Islamic community. When you think of the, the, the way our society has moved on and the kind of people that are um, migrating into the country now, as before because it wasn't common, was it, let's be honest. Well, I guess it's... Remember, it's, it's, we're not, just to carry on, finish this off, I should say, when I came to yeah, prison... We another 45 minutes, minutes to this episode. Yeah, in the on. 1970s, uh, I know that when I walked around the landings, prisoners were distinguished by their religion, by the colour of their cell cards. And there were only three colours. There was a white card, which denoted a Christian. There was a red card that denoted that the person there was a Catholic. And there was a blue card that denoted that that prisoner was a of the Jewish religion. So they were the only three that were sort of officially recognized by documentation. And to be honest, in my time, uh, the Islamic, um, I don't remember it. I just don't remember yeah. that thing. But it, and that was in the 1970s. So we'd already had sort of Asian people coming into the country, but they probably weren't representative in prison then as they might be today because the proportions and the percentages are higher, of course, because they're higher within society. I guess it's, it must be similar to, to the, the food situation, that back in the day there would have just been a, a, a choice, take it or leave it, effectively, like with what, food. My mother's menu. Yeah. It was a take it or leave it menu. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we have one of those at home. <laughs> I, I can't eat that, boss. Why, I'm a vegetarian. Oh, what? What's that? Veg I don't eat meat. Off with the meat, on with some more veg. Yeah. Veganism wasn't heard when I joined the prison service. Exactly that. Was, was no, I thought it was, was part no, of Hello. Yeah, no well, gluten free. I thought no veganism that, yeah. was part of the Star Trek Enterprise program. Vegans, Vulcans, the Kardashians, the Klingons, <laughs> the they're all in there. Uh, don't get me wrong, I'm all for people eating what yeah. they choose to eat, and we've moved on from then, where all these things are. Well, that's what I mean. It's originally, it was just being take it or leave it. Yes. And then it was obviously moving, and not just moving for vegetarians, but actually just actually making yeah. food, because I, I would imagine still, when, when they first started catering for vegetarians in prisons, that things like your roast potatoes or your gravy was still going to have beef dripping in it or was still going to have meat, meat juices in Probably it. Probably weren't. People weren't as aware then, as long as you took exactly. the meat off. Whereas they now were under the impression everything was a vegetable. Yeah, yeah, I think now you've got like 12 different, 12 different types of catering and actually food in prisons is 
trying to say it's good, but it's, it caters for a wider range. And religion will be exactly the same, in the sense of, as you, as you say, back in the 70s, that's exactly how it was. And it's funny, though, because I think that happens in life, doesn't it? That you, you don't notice the changes because they're subtle changes. Yeah. And actually, changing Small. a prison population. So, for example, with Asian people coming to mm. prison, because obviously they... And, they, and, they, and they, Caribbeans they, as well, remember? Yeah, they're, they're, they're the bulk of our sort of immigration yeah. coming into the country at that time. Yeah, so, as they, so you don't notice immigration until happens, you look don't. back at it and you go, yeah, yeah I don't remember seeing uh, the, the, sort of the, the, the Asian community so highly represented in prison. There would have been some, of course, but it would have been very, very, very tiny minority. And it would just happen slowly as well. It would yeah, it's just like all things like that. And then obviously it would yeah. have... Society moves, like it's fluid. Society's, fluid. Society's yeah. fluid, isn't it? It moves and changes. It was though, because I know uh, at Shrewsbury Prison, and I'm not sure if Shepton was the same actually, but I know at Shrewsbury Prison that there was, there was a chapel um, and yep. to the side of the chapel, there then was the multi-faith room. Yes. And then there was all the spaces yep. surrounding that. So it was like chaplaincy rooms and yep. different different uh, meeting rooms. But there's also the spaces where um, uh, 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 Muslim uh, congregation could go and, and wash hands and feet and such yep. like that. Yeah. All those. But, but that's something that's new in my time because when I come to Shrewsbury, nothing existed like that. All we had was Saturday was for the Catholics. And Sunday, uh, Sunday was for the Christians in the church, the old chapel that we've got. So that how, did, how did that used to work? Now, so, well, so I don't like... remember having a what you call a multi-faith room as such, and particularly not the place for washing your hands and feet. Mm -hmm. That just didn't exist here. How they managed that, I don't remember it. So I, I assume that it wasn't really that common, if common at all, or just ignored. I, I'm not sure. Uh, and, and you know, and yes, uh, there was a, a rabbi used to come in. The rabbis used to come in on Friday, of course. Because I think it was Friday for rabbis, wasn't it, for the Jewish religion, Saturdays for the Catholics, and Sundays for the Christians. And I think that's the reflection of society outside. And would you find that it was a, a large population in the prison system, so of, of actual prisoners attending the services and such? Uh, it's quite a religious environment. In, in my experience, I've only ever seen probably 10% or less ever go to a, a regular service when we used to call out for the services in the morning on the Sundays or the Saturdays or the Fridays or whatever service that was, less than probably 10% of a prison population might turn up at whatever that religious service is going to be. We always panic when a lot of people turned up. I thought we covered this, I think, in, 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 in the riot episode. Yeah, we expect about 20 to 25 well, I say that? We will cover this in the riot episode. It's obviously pre-recorded, so I know we've already done the riot episode, but it's not actually aired yet, so I've, I've, I've jumped the gun. For, um, for the Sunday course, service, we might expect perhaps about anywhere from about 15 to 25, sometimes up to 30 at a push. Yeah. Uh, on the Catholic one, there were smaller representation within the prison system on the Saturday, so there were less of those, perhaps 10 or 15 those might turn up but if we saw 40 or 50 coming into a chapel we'd be asking questions well what's going on here why suddenly do these people because they can be one of those places where disturbances take place where they've got the support of their comrades I suppose if they want to start a disturbance you're in a sealed room you've got civilians in there and you've also got very few staff um, doing it so we did panic a little bit and start to wonder what was going on and we would put more staff in uh, just in case, but it may not be enough, you never know, do you? Yeah. So it's one of those possible trigger points. Um, the only time that it was genuine when you used to get a full room was when they used to invite choirs in. And very often many of these choirs were like your gospel choirs, and they'd be made up of men, but very much they'd be made up of lots of women as well. So the, 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 it would be full, the church would be full, we'd have probably about 70 or 80 prisoners in there. And they used to love it, the singing would be going on there, and then and after they did that, they always stopped and had a cup of tea and a biscuit. And the prisoners could stay with that and meet with the people from the Congre from the you know the, the, the singers and all that, and they'd have a chat only for about twenty minutes, and then we'd take the prisoners. Okay, we've had a cup of tea, move on, uh, and then they'd go back to the wings, and then obviously the other people would leave. But yeah. What about with like religious holidays and things like Christmas or um, would, yeah. would there be increases? I remember there would. I do remember there being like carol services yes. and stuff that both staff and prisoners could attend. Yes at various points over yeah. kind of the Christmas yeah. season. Yeah, it, um, it very often wasn't... would often attend Yeah, you're right. It, it very often wasn't done um, sort of Christmas Eve traditionally as we would expect a, no. a carol service to be played. Uh, it, was, it might be done whenever that was convenient to put that in and say, oh, there's a carol. And it may be four or five or six days before, yeah. quite easily. Um, but they always, um, if I remember rightly, I'm not sure if they ever had... They must have had a service on Christmas Day. I'm sure one of the chaplains would have come in for a Christmas Day service bearing in mind that it's it's only suitable for those people because the Jewish religion would, would need think about it, attending that, of course, neither would the Islamic uh, 
think about attending that. Yeah. So there might have been somebody there. So they'd all be represented, but at their appropriate times, because you've obviously got, uh, I forgot what they called it in the Muslim religion now, the... Um, Ramadan. Uh, Ramadan, yeah. yeah and when Ramadan, Ramadan took place here, and it didn't exist, remember when I first came here in 1988, this didn't exist. Oh, I wouldn't imagine This they, notion of performing this, Ramadan this just probably didn't, didn't come until early 2000s, I wouldn't have thought. Uh, probably not. I, you know, like you said, it's so subtle, you can't put a date to them. Mm. Oh, that's when it happened. And I remember then the food for prisoners, we'd, we'd take certain, um, those prisoners of that religion would go down to cook the food. Yeah. It was the one time that they prepared that food, and they would put it into special hot boxes that were bought. Uh, we bought special, not me, the prison service bought special hot boxes. Yeah, I, didn't, they, I didn't think for one second, Graham, that you... Oh, you, they're not you, just you, cheap plastic you, things. You, you, they're, I, they're, I didn't think for one second, you were like, this month, boss, it's me, Gov, my job. I'm going to put my cash <laughs> back in. My salary, boss, is going to get... I meant at a national level. for the prison service. I meant at a national level, not at just a choose. Well, then they could, they, could, they could use that now. They could probably use some of your pension in the prison service. Because I think they're pretty, pretty yeah. underfunded. Oh, my dead body. <laughs> yeah, my dead body. Uh, but no, so they would come down, the prisoners would come down and collect that meal at the normal time. Yeah. Let's say four, half past four or five o'clock. And they would take it back to their cells and they would eat that at that appropriate time throughout yeah, the night time. The and then all those things, somebody would collect all those boxes up in the morning, take it back to the kitchen and the process would go on for those, and if it's 30, 31 days. And at the end of that, they'd have the festival, the festival of Eid. And that would take place in the daytime, of course, because it's breaking that fast. And they used to always do it here at lunchtime and they would need volunteer staff to go in there. So very often, sometimes prisoners would invite you. Weird thing, I don't know whether they did because they thought it was just, you know, well, what are you doing, boss? I said, well, I usually go to the gym. Oh, festival leads on, we'd, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd like, to, like you to come along. If you wouldn't, and I said, oh, that sounds a good idea. Anywhere with this food, anywhere with this food. <laughs> I'm picturing every event we've yeah. ever had where there's no food and Graham turns up in the lunchbox. Anywhere with this food. What's going on? What's the festival today? Oh, I'll come to that. Um, so, yeah, they needed volunteer staff over lunchtime. And I go, oh, yeah, I come and do that. And that's where they used to have that festival and they'd eat the food and everybody would mix. <coughs> mix. Um, yeah. Can can you remember? Because I I know when I was I was in Australia actually, and I and I worked with um, a few guys uh, that, that were of Muslim faith, and um, they I remember during Ramadan they really struggled with some of the work that we were doing. A because it was so hot, cause it was Australia, but also because of the, the the way and the times that they were eating and such like that. They used to really run out of energy throughout the day. And mm -hmm. Actually, they, they they used to struggle with the with um, some of the more um, labour intensive tasks that we were doing yeah. in the job. There. Can you remember in the prison service whether that was a a, a a thing in terms of? I know the work wouldn't be quite as extreme, but actually, I think it's probably quite hard going mentally and physically in the prison system and therefore you do actually need a certain level of calories just to be able to kind of get through yeah. the day. I know that sounds a bit weird but obviously they, they would have been uh, working as well. So I'm not aware that. of that being an issue and I don't know how that would have been managed on an individual basis. I'm quite sure that they would have said that listen and, and it might have been some allowance for that but it's not something that I personally dealt with myself. Yeah, I never had to deal with that myself and at the end of the day, so I'm not sure. But, but as you said, it is different. Like I said, I, I worked in the Australian prison service and it's extremely hot sometimes. Mm -hmm. Even when you've had a normal meal and a good night's sleep, I've stood there in the daytime thinking, everybody learns to walk that a little bit slower. Yeah, yeah. Everybody just sort of sits back a little bit quicker, not so much to rush around the place. And what but, was it like? I know, I know we've, I've obviously heard this before, um, so I, uh, it's more, more, more for the viewers and for people listening. In sense of when people, when prisoners come into jail and they're from different religions, whichever religion it may be, there's lots of different um, types of, uh, I guess, symbols or um, uh, different uh, jewelry and such that, that people will wear. How does that feed in? Because there's that, there's that potential, there's that style of going, well, I need this because it's part of my religion. Yeah, well, we're coming into reception, I can only speak for, for, for Shrewsbury. Uh, I imagine th there are set rules to these things, but all prisons are slightly, you know, all things are never quite as rigid as they should be in, within a prison system, and that's sort of, that's the way it works and all that. But I know that here, that uh, they got our multi-faith teams, they call them in prisons, would have set those standards and said, these things are permissible and not permissible. Now, gold and jewellery and those kind of emblems would be taken off prisoners because of their value, because of the potential currency value of them in a prison, or if not just that, having them taken off them by other prisoners. 
and that was to, to limit that, of course. Um, so there would be substitutes given, and there were limits to that, because some prisoners did come in, well, I need that, and I need this, and I need that, and I need this, and they go, no, 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 it's been recognised by the prison service and challenged in a court, and by the outside religions, these are acceptable standards. And that's why it's, because I've no doubt there would be prisoners that would challenge these things all the time. Uh, but yeah, prisoners can have, if the Muslims can have their prayer mats and they've got their Qurans in there. We don't touch their Qurans when we go into a cell to search a cell. Yeah. We, we take the prisoner with us and say, we'd like you to open that up and just open it up so we can see there's nothing inside it. Uh, yeah, one of those, it's, you know, and that's an adaption. We've always had to adapt. Uh, but as far as reception goes, when you find out what a prisoner's religion is, it isn't as simple as just knowing that because the bulk of our prisoners put two prisoners in a cell. So when you think of places like Manchester, Liverpool, the old Victorian jails, remand prisons, holding remands, you can't just keep chucking people in willy-nilly because you've got all kinds of issues to be aware of, not just based on religion, it might be based on ethnicity as well. You know, you know, not everybody sees eye to eye behind the door, do they? So you're going to see that prisoners may be of different faiths, different religions, and they may be drug gangs, but we're not talking about that at the moment, we're talking about sort of religion specifically. Uh, and you may try to pair people up if that's possible to do only because you can see the potential head-to-head -head that may happen if you try to... And that's not easy to do in prisons, of course. Why? Because prisons are never empty. Yeah, I've never seen a prison. Yeah. I've never worked in this prison. 25 years I was at this one, where it was actually had a lot of empty cells. Well, never. that's not quite true, because you do now. But the second 25 years, it was always that. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, so the, you know, I've never known that. So you're always jiggling these things up and always, and I've always said that smaller prisons are, are, are just, to me, better to work at because you do get to know your population much, much better. Yeah. You do. And that's not that. The staff are a smaller group, so you do get a common working theme generally going on. I've worked in big prisons and you're in different wings and there's a whole different culture going on in one wing than the other and they throw you over there and they go, you, you're, well, on, I was gonna, you're on each wing. I was going to ask. I was, I was ask well, I don't do this on B wing. Don't care what you do on B wing, mate. This is what we do on H wing. You know, and, you go, ah, and it's hard work because staff then go, uh, you know. But I was going to ask the same sense when we had the, I think we had a, a conversation around um, should uh, prisoners of a type of crime be segregated so you've got, you know, murderers and you've got sex offenders and you've got um, burglars and you've got you know, uh, other types of crime effects. You're all separated, so that's how we segregate our prisons. Or should they be segregated via religion? Or should they be segregated in different ways? We already segregate them via male and female. Yes. Should, and, and, and I know different countries do different things. They do it in different ways. And, and there's been different documentaries about it in terms of the rights and wrongs. It's just, this is just the way we do it. I know for New Zealand, for example, New Zealand housed all of their terrorists in one space. And I remember, I remember speaking to them, or I remember uh, seeing it, and they were, they were talking about how, um, whether it's the right way or the wrong way of doing it, it's just the way they do it, yeah. but for them it works. Well, that I'm, I'm not going to get you to answer just just yet. We're going to take a very quick break. But when we come back, I, <laughs> when we come back, I will let you answer the question about how it's done and whether it should be done that way. Yeah. And then I will ask the question: Is there actually a place for religion within prison? Or should they not be allowed? Should no prisoner be allowed to practice no. any type of Ask that question when you come back. We, well, we will do. After so these messages. We're, 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 we're going to take a very short break and hear a few words from our sponsors. You are listening to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50 Mil Media. Unlock the past and discover what life was like at Shepton Mallet Prison. Relive the history of past prisoners over the last 400 years. Experience what a Victorian prison cell was like for those incarcerated. See where executions were carried out. Walk the landings and prison wings. You'll hear stories of those who worked and lived behind its high walls. See it, touch it. Feel it on a journey of discovery at the nation's oldest prison. Visit ShiptonMalletPrison.com today to find out more. You're listening to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50 Mil Media. 
Welcome back to Life Behind Bars. Today we're talking about religion, we're talking about uh, festive periods inside prison, we're going to talk a little bit about birthdays and such. But before we went off for the break, I posed the question about how we should segregate or, or how prisons could be segregated in different ways. Officer G was desperate to answer, I wouldn't let him. So, straight back over. Can but, you remember the question? I know it was yeah, a couple of minutes ago. I understand your question. I understand why we might think about that. But the prison service won't interpret that. They talk about separation of prisoners based on safety. Safety of the individual. And that's why they may do it. That's why you tend to find sex offenders are removed from that part because of the risk within the prison system if they're allowed to be in the, in the mainstream of the prison. And that may be true of people that have got into debt and they've literally grassed up, as the old prison term is, grassed up another prisoner. They're at risk of serious harm. So the prison service might not say we, we separate people based on those theories. They might look at that because we've had a, there's been a, a huge difficulty in prisons over the last... 10 years, 15 years, with transgenderism in prison or gender identification in prison yeah. because they're not quite sure which way you go with this, do you? Yeah, because I suppose I could, I could go to jail. Because we've only got I, two I, kinds I, of prisons, male and female. Yeah, I identify as a female, yeah. therefore I can't go to a male prison because I identify as yeah. a female. It doesn't matter that I've not had a, a, no. a physical change. To get where you were going, there's a special place being built in the country now that manages that. I'm not sure how they manage it or how effective it is, because when they've got that issue, because there was a case some years ago now where a person who was changing their sex male to female and lived as a female, but hadn't had what they call the, the, the full operation, yeah. the full uh, transgender, I forgot what the term is now for it, but, um, but anyway, we understand what we're talking about, you know. And, uh, uh, and uh, ended up going to a female prison. They went to a male prison, started to, uh, and then she went to a, a female prison, and it wasn't within about five or six or seven months, if I remember rightly now, that uh, two rapes raped two women prisoners. So they couldn't go back, and they couldn't go forward and stay where they were. So that's where they decided to start having to put this other place. So in other words, that person may have been isolated, not for the protection of them, but for the protection of others. That's right, yeah. So there's two ways that the prison service look at things. Do we need to isolate a prisoner for the protection of other people, staff and prisoners, or do we need to protect that prison themselves? And they come under different rules within the prison service. Under the Prison Act, they come under different rules. Uh, years ago, they used to give them the term of uh, Rule 43s, self-protection, Rule yeah. 45s, the, the establishment decides that's what you need, and there's good order and discipline. I think that's Rule 47. They might have changed those or rephrased the words they use now. But good order or good order and GOAD was basically the governor decided that for good order of the prison, we're going to isolate you from that, the rest well, of the prison. And, and for, for the protection, for just the running of the prison is bad. So I, yeah. I get that, and I guess here's, here's the ultimate question, because we, and that's, and again, it's moved slightly away from what we're talking obviously in the sheer religion, but I think it's a really good point, is that when you come to prison, is your part of coming to prison is that you're being punished, and part of your punishment, or your punishment, is being removed from society and having certain rights and, and, and uh, things removed, effectively. Yeah. That, that kind of decision of choice. Lots, lots of choice of freedom. Lots of choice. Now, is it right is it not right and whether it's right or not right should it be done regardless right. is should we be removing even further individual choice so whether you're going through a transition from male to female or female to male or whatever whatever that may look like and however you may um, identify at the time or in religion regardless of which religion you are should we just be wiped out and go actually you're just a number uh, now, well, once you're in prison, the, the prison you're just a the, number, and all of that's... I know, I know exactly, I know exactly the what you're The danger of that is that you're, you can't have rehabilitation if you're just stripping everything away. Because yeah. if you strip everything away, you're not rebuilding anything yeah. for them to have structure. Do you have to strip it away back. to rebuild? Well, the, the, no, you can't rebuild something. You can't rebuild something if you don't give them yeah. anything to rebuild. Yeah. So if you've not, if someone's religious and that's their way of support and gaining strength to make good decisions, and you strip that away, then what have they but got? Then, but then the argument is, well, how have you? You've obviously it's not worked because you've ended up in prison. So your religion, I'm going to do, I'm going to do my, my marks. Your religion, which is you know how you uh, live, for example, and what you believe in, has seen you go to prison. It's seen you commit a crime. Therefore. 
But Why they might be too separate. But you can't say that their religion yeah. has seen them commit a crime. It's two parts of their life, isn't it? it they might be committing. Well, I mean, your words, not, not but, mine. Like, no, so what I, I said saw. was that they, their religion might help them yeah. in terms of support and making good decisions. Just because you've made a mistake previously, it doesn't mean you're always going to make that same mistake. Uh, and and also, you can't. Um, and sometimes people find that support and that strength after the event. Yeah, I'd, yeah. There's two two points here, quite interesting. First of all, on a legal basis, why the prison service operates like all other organisations in this country on the Human Rights Act, and human rights will have in there the right to freedom of religion, mm -hmm. and no restriction should be placed on the following of that religion. So prison would be ex you can't exclude, and all prisons can do all that. So you can see the problem with that is that as far as the prison service would be is, we'd be in breach of the Human Rights Act of denying people their right to their faith. So that would be, so unless you change the law, you'd have to change all the human rights laws or abandon human rights laws, the Human Rights Act, you'd have to abandon all that so that you could then impose all those restrictions that you require. You can't do one without getting rid of the other. That's the reality at a legal basis, yeah. And, and I'm not, and, and again, I'm just, I'm, that's the way it is. That's actually the way it is. No, no, I, Whether you I, think I, it should be that way is another matter well, of the other I, I, case, I guess yeah. the thing is that, that someone somewhere, or a group of people somewhere, always make a decision about which human rights are acceptable to take away and which aren't. Because putting people in prison is effectively, we're taking away your human right to have a choice and be part of society. But it's about safety, isn't it? Human rights, yeah. I think, I think, I think we all know there's, there's people in prison that there's people in prison that are not a danger to society. No, but Human Rights Act does have a section in it that is based on the ability and the willingness and the and being able to protect society and deter more further crime. That's it's all written in there. I had a good read of that over there. So the, it allows for that imprisonment. What it doesn't allow for in prison is to further. So it's the loss of freedom in a prison which should not deny you all those other basic unalienable rights. And that's freedom of religion, freedom of expression. Prisoners have got freedom of expression too. They're not restricted in what they say. They can write to their MPs, they can write to their um the, the government they can write to the Queen. They can petition the Queen. Well, they can't okay, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say yeah. <laughs> Yeah. How old is this programme? Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, we've, we've uh, got no, past the quiz funeral, I'm afraid. Uh, yeah, so all those things would all be sort of not so easy. But the other thing I'm going to say about religion, as far, remember you've got a multi-faith chaplaincy in prisons, and they are invaluable in the amount of things they manage that we can't. When people, let's say people remember, and it happens, it's happening probably all the time, when prisoners have their family members die, whether it be their fathers and mothers because they're old or they're ill or their children and all that, the chaplaincy nearly always is the first people we call up. Not because of the religion as such, because the person may not be religious, but it's seen as an outside, separate, independent organisation that doesn't come in with a criteria to follow. In other words, they're completely independent, where we might be seen as we've got a certain criteria that we will follow regardless of that prisoner's feelings and emotions, whereas they won't. So we will very often get the chaplaincy up, whatever that faith may be, or not, and they will come along and they'll take that prisoner away to a quiet place where they will manage that situation, which, as you can imagine, is extremely stressful for prisoners, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, we, and, and it's great for us, because we have no idea how a prisoner may or may not react to that situation. It may be violence externally, it may be violence internally, or it may end up being sort of, I suppose you can call it, some kind of post-traumatic stress syndrome they might suffer from the whole stress of not being with their families. Don't get me wrong, we know that the choices were made before, but you don't put that on a prisoner, do you? You're just there to manage that situation and get them through a, you know, a big loss in their lives. And I hear that, and I, and I, I do agree with you guys that you know, religion absolutely has a, has a place in prison. It shouldn't be removed from prisoners. Um, I think it's also my, my job here is to, is, to, is to throw these things out there. And I'm going to do that in this sense of, I, I, I get what you're saying about um, uh, everything you've just, you've just been through there, Graham. What's the safety aspect or what's the, uh, the, the danger or the risk of having chaplaincy and different uh, um, faiths uh, coming into prisons in terms of actually the security? Is that where drugs and weapons come in? Is that... 
you know, is there a danger, an inherent danger of that? Because the natural side, and I'm just going to be a bit of a sweeping statement, is that because of the nature of what we're talking about here in terms of faith, in my experience, and then certainly also I went to a C of E school, so that's, that's more of my experience, but that's always the, we'll look on the, the bright side, we're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. And obviously prison is full of extremely manipulative people. Yeah. Is there not a risk in here? But one of the big problems in prison at the moment is, 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 is extreme thoughts, whether it comes from the white supremacists, whether it comes from the religious faiths, whether it comes from wherever, where it comes from. Uh, and, and in prisons, if you imagine now you put them all, separate them all by religion. Yeah. So you know, you're all going there, and you're all going there, you're all going in there. It may be more difficult to suppress extremism yeah, because yeah, now yeah. you're in a locked world where everybody is there and prisoners may not have that ability to be away from it. Whereas in a mixed prison, generally, you'll have a lot of prisoners coming. I don't need anything to do with that. And even, they might already suffer some pressure to belong while they're there, but they can move on and move around and be, and be mixed up with others. Whereas if they're in one prison where that thought process, if somebody that's highly manipulative and highly intelligent starts to control the thoughts, just imagine these sort of, you see these groups going around and they've got absolute control of people and they've got their minders as well that are out the back. So you may create a bigger problem by putting people in separation. Well, that's, it's it's that's slightly different off the point I was asking, but that's exactly what the New Zealand prison system say, is that it, the, the risk is by having all of our terrorists together, mm. that you've got all of them together. Yeah. What you don't have is the ability for them to now influence other people who could become terrorists because they're never going to see them. They're a different, they're different. Yeah, I think on it's terrorism, slightly, slightly that's awkward. quite the extreme. It, it, it is. End, it's a, it's it? I think with things like yeah, religion and yeah. aspects like that, being in a mixed community is a very good thing because it challenges all sorts of yeah, thinking and, and patterns yeah, going I mean, we're, on we're, we're, and makes people mix in a very different yeah. way, which is yeah. more reflective of society. We, we nearly went down I think what road. you were saying about. Um, uh, I forgot what I was going to say now. Yeah, I know where you're going. I was, I was talking about whether there's a, a risk from the, the Chapsy side so, because obviously they I, still are coming into a secure building. That, that, I was going to say, that's what I was going to go on to. It's about the fact that I, I get that point. Um, go on, go on. Because you, you, you've seen I, it. Um, I have seen it. I have seen an incident where a member of a chaplaincy team was allowing somebody to use a phone because the they, they had been convinced that they just needed to speak to this family member or this religious member. And whether or not it was a genuine thing from that prisoner, I don't know the details in that sense, but the risk is they don't use that because they can't monitor that. That phone's not being monitored in the same way as the prisoners. So I have seen it. So, but I don't necessarily think that's any more or less risky than a member of the education team or a member of the healthcare team or any other member of the prison staff. That's about the training and the vetting of the people that go in there. To I work. mean, we, we nearly walked down that road many years ago in the late 60s. In the late 60s, there was a huge report because they had the escape of bigs and prisons were really quite weak as far as security, really quite weak. Um, and they came up with the, the, the Mountbatten report, and that was Lord Mountbatten who went and had a look at prison. And he wanted to build one prison on the Isle of Wight. There's Parker's there, of course, Camp Hill. But he wanted to turn that into one big super prison, and it was going to be called Vector. And he wanted to put all the high security prisoners in one place. So that, now while that's not about religion, but if that's the first step, as we bumped into the bigger problems with religions uh, and, 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 and extremism, they'd go, well, that's not a problem because if we put high securities in there, let's put them there and there. So we may have stepped down that road. As it happened, they came up with what is known as the dispersal system, where those prisoners are dispersed around the country. And we don't really know whether they might have a, a more calming effect than a more dangerous effect. People say, well, you're going to put a dangerous prison with all those ago. Yeah, but you make assumptions that these people are going out to look for trouble. These are people, high security, are serving a very, very, very long time in prison. And they've got to get through that the best way they know how. So they may not be the kind of people that are going to get caught up in all these other things and may have some kind of calming influence in a general population. Now, I don't know how much study's been done on that, but the dispersal prison relatively works. I mean, I work in dispersal prisons. Uh, and you've got, they're not all dis category A prisoners in there. There's only, you're only supposed to have about 10% of your population. There's always a bit more. 
in any one size prison. So I think we were just over 450 prisoners at Gartry. So there would have been 45 to 50 category A. They're dispersed amongst the wings and amongst the floors. They're not allowed to be together next to each other. They're not allowed to be above or below each other. That's all about security more than anything else. But they're dispersed and they can be moved. And they used to be moved quite regularly around the cells and around the prisons to stop them taking control as well. Um, so it's really difficult to measure how, whether they would be a bigger problem if you put them all in one jail and didn't put any in the, and didn't spread that out. It's, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but it, but you posed a nice little question to say, hang on, that's an interesting point. I is think when it comes to religion, though, I think it's, it, the mixed environment is a good thing in terms of... Yeah, of course it is, because that's what society so, is. Exactly that, and it's, you take things like coming back to the holidays and stuff, so, you know, people being respectful of Ramadan, of Christmas, yeah. of, you know, Diwali, whatever yeah. religions, holidays or celebrations, etc. are going on, you need to be able to be respectful of other people's beliefs. Because that, you know, that's the society we live in, and that's what people should be able to do. So therefore, why not practice it? Uh, yeah, I think that's a, that's a great uh, point. The, that's, the only that's thing that it's it? a personal thing. It's got nothing to do with prisons. I don't believe that um, religion should be in schools. I believe you might teach the history of religion at a very base level because religion is a personal choice. It's a belief system, remember? And everybody's got their own beliefs. So you've got schools that are called Roman Catholic schools, and you've got Church of England schools, yeah, and you've probably got many other schools. And I go, well, I'd stop all that. I don't believe they're allowed in America. I might be wrong. They stand and they might stand to the flag, but you'll never hear them singing hymns in the morning. I don't, they may be religious ones there, I'm not sure. Yeah, but there's some of them. No, because religion's a very personal thing. It's what you believe, it's what you and your family and, and your and, and people around you. So why do you need some schools? My, my family's not religious <coughs> at all. Now, teachers are um, part of history. And, and I went to a C of E, but that's because all, all of the primary schools where I was from were all C of E C primary of, yeah. schools. And I can remember that we, we used to have hymn books and we would sing hymns most mornings and we would go to church i think twice a week i think wednesdays fridays yeah. we'd we would walk up to the church which was next to school we'd yeah. go in and there would be a service and we'd sing hymns and then there was always the the different um oh god this is going to show how badly i paid attention at primary school and there was all the different types of um uh, festivals and fairs that we would have throughout the year so there would be uh, stuff for lent and there yeah. would obviously be easter and there would be christmas yeah. and there was you know everything was built around these and we would do obviously nativities and stuff like that. So you know, I very much went to a uh, a C of E, and uh, you know, like I say, my family's not religious, but it was the only time at school. Mm -hmm. But you went to a C of E as well, didn't you? I did. Primary wise, yeah, yeah. Pretty sure well, you must have done because we always talk about the hymns we had and the colours and the singing. So you, I don't you would remember have going to, to churches apart from at like. Easter, or but again, Easter, Christmas, it was yeah. a very yeah, I mean, much that, a part of. Let's be honest, we look at other countries who do these things with their children and we go, oh, that's indoctrination. And we do it and we do it and we go, well, that's okay. When you think yeah. about it, you go, oh, they're just conditioning their children to grow up and live with that thought. I go, well, that's what we've done. We Church of England was based on that. That's why you sang hymns in the morning. Yeah. That's why you did all those things and went to Sunday school and all those I things. I still know what I would do if I had it. It should be yeah. more about, it should almost be more about, like you say, the history, but. The yeah, no, you share as well, like the practices of the different. Yeah, um, yeah. they do think it's called religious, religious studies. They do do religious studies, and, yeah. and it's not based on um, anybody's kind of. It's just about the whole lot. But the, but we've still got Catholic schools, we've still got Church of England schools, and we've still got other schools that are nominated by faith as a school. And I go, well, then you, you've got to expect those people to be wanting to edge towards the thing that they are. That's a pretty natural thing to do. It did. I mean, we could you know, we could probably do an entire series. I mean, that's what we should do next. We should we should park life behind bars and have education behind bars. Um, and we should talk about you know schools because we could talk about schools for for series after series after series in terms of what they get kind of right and what they get wrong um, and the way that they they, they they teach certain things. Because ultimately, what you're talking about there is very much a personal family side of things, and it will be your family that bring you up in an environment and they take you they, they, they take you on that journey whereas schools like you say should be more kind of baseline 
and actually they're there to educate you on everything. Mm-hmm. And it's in the family, it, it's, it's, it's outside of school where you, where you learn. Yeah, it's a personal, it's a personal, it's a personal thing. Let's, um, let's take a quick break there. It's a, it's a nice point to take a break. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about Father Christmas. Um, and we're going to talk about Father Christmas for a couple of reasons. Um, but we're going to talk about Father Christmas and we're going to talk more specifically around actually what those kind of festive celebrations look like behind bars and also what birthdays and such like that look like behind bars. So we're just going to take a very quick break. You are listening to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50ml Media. Welcome to Shrewsbury Prison, Shropshire's number one tourist destination. Step behind the gates of this 200-year-old prison and discover an unknown world. Heritage tours run by ex-officers, where you can see the cells, walk the landings, see and touch the history. But there's so much more going on. Experience one of our brilliant activities or take part in our world-renowned events. From escape rooms to axe throwing, overnight sleepovers to prison break, we do it all. And there's something for all the family, with activities starting from eight years, events from 12 years, and heritage tours for all ages. Visit our restaurant and experience food behind bars. There really is so much to see, do and discover on a day out at Shrewsbury Prison. Visit us at www.shrewsburyprison.com You're listening to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50ml Media. Welcome back to Life Behind Bars. Today we're talking all about religion and we're talking about what that looks like behind bars. Christmas. So Christmas is only two days away when we're showing this. It's the 23rd of December. Um, so everyone's going to be in full Christmas swing. Um, we should have put you in a Christmas hat really great. Um, what's Christmas look like behind bars? What's that look like in prison? Uh, it depends. I mean, I imagine all prisons do something slightly different because the, the, the nature and the makeup of their prison and the physical structure might change the way they do things. Uh, but Shrewsbury being a small jail, it was very much a combined thing, wasn't it? Everybody would go. Um, so, so yeah, quiet. I've always found Christmases should be really, really quiet. Um, De- really decorations? Uh, yeah, yeah. They yeah. put the, all the office staff put up. De- prisoners used to make their own decorations. They yeah. weren't given decorations, so they'd find bits of coloured paper and a bit of this and a bit of that. And remember, they'd use things like flour and water, or they'd use toothpaste to stick stuff together in the absence of having glue. <laughs> glue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, perhaps some might, I don't know, but, um, but but yeah. So I know many prisoners decorate their cells. It's not all, uh, but the office staff usually put a little tree up and put a few decorations. We'd always have a main tree on the ones uh, yeah real or fake um, um i can't remember now to be honest with you i think ours was fake i, was I, I, can't, remember sure. I can't remember it. it'd probably we be a fake one be honest as well. um, and they put one on ceiling as well mm-hmm. uh, and i imagine other prisons many other prisons do that uh, as well uh, i'm not sure but, um, but i know that we did that and then christmas christmas is different but when you look at it christmas by our standards when you're outside prison and nothing like that really um when you were living in a prison system with, with the same old routine every day running all the time member right up until christmas really those two days seem really quite different probably for prisoners but depends on when it falls depends when they stop work yeah Education, remember the education, it's not the education authority, but education, they do the same breaks as, as pub, private public schools. They say we stop for a couple of weeks. So they might stop for a couple of weeks. So they might stop a week before and a week after. So those prisoners that are, were originally going to education as part of their jobs are not going. So there's it now on the way. But then you've got the workshops, but it depends. If it falls on a Saturday and Sunday, then the public colleges will be following Monday and Tuesday, won't they? So that's four days. And then they might put a day on top of that for some reason. So they might be five or six days, some prisoners, without anything. And then you're going to drop into New Year's very quickly. So you might find they close the workshops for the whole week. 
And they go, what's the point? We're not going to open the shops up for a day or two. It depends. But so, so you find that it doesn't, but there's all things, depends on where you are. Here, we did used to do Christmas concerts. We used to have a carol singing coming in, and that, I know that's based on Church of England, of course, but they did the carol singing and all those things. Uh, and they'd invite people in from outside to be involved in all that, invite families in, yeah. all the families in. We also used to set up what they call a Christmas lunch for old age point pensioners coming in, or particularly those people who might be living on their own. So if anybody knew of anybody, that was living on their own that might enjoy this company we'd bring them up to the prison put them in our older gym yeah. this was the uh, been knocked down since uh, and they all and prisoners would help with them bringing them in in wheelchairs getting them through serving their meals and the prisoners would be involved with the staffing doing all that all based on charity we'd all give something everybody could donate even prisoners used to donate uh, through their wages and say oh i'll stick a quid in the box for them but yeah yeah um, so that was another day that would take place sometimes before christmas of course about visits? Uh, visits were allowed right up until um, even including Christmas Eve, yeah. but they never had visits on Christmas Day. And if I remember rightly, there was a time when it was never on Boxing Day either, but they might have pushed Boxing Day. I can't remember because perhaps prisoners can relatively do what they want. There's no real restriction. Governors can make those decisions. It isn't law. Is, is prison sort of unlocked then Christmas Day, 7, 7.30 as usual, and it's just unlock all the way through until uh, the... Yeah, we, we unlock at the same times. It's just that the whole routines have changed now because there's nothing for prisoners to do. It's Christmas Day, so there will be the time they get a cooked breakfast. Mm -hmm. uh, it will be a time when they get a cook, what we call it the Christmas dinner. It, it is quite a nice soup and it has dessert and it's got, it's nice food, but it's not sort of the full thing you might have at home with 18 vegetables and 45 different kinds of roast potatoes, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and a glass of wine, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, prisoners might have been making their own somewhere along the line, but a hooch might be. But, but no, so they get that. And they would get very often, like we traditionally have outside, a cold tea. So that would be ham or chicken slices with dessert and, and, and a sort of salad. That's what they get. And they would get something sort of similar on Boxing Day, but not quite to the same thing. Oh, well. presents. Presents? Yeah, would, would prisoners gift each other presents? Or uh, gift not, not, that I'm aware of, not that I'm aware of, but um, I do know that we, we used to have games yeah. uh, for those weeks. So those five, particularly the long breaks we used to have, for four or five or six days, there'd always be a quiz to do. And we'd hand that quiz to prisoners about a week before Christmas turned up. Uh, and that was so they had plenty of time for some of these questions. They had, and then very often they come on, on the office, excuse me, boss, I've got to ask you a question. And I know it's on the quiz table because I've got yeah, the quiz there. And I go, go on then, what's that? And they say, and they go like that. And I might point them in the right direction, but I do that for everybody or do it for no one, yeah. of course. But no, only I go, ah, it's plenty of time yet, off you go. You'll get to it uh, these days. They just pick up their mobile phones and dial somebody or phone up their wives legally. Well, 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 I hope I was say, pick up their mobile phones and look on Google. Well, they say, yeah. mobile phone. yeah. But very often, or they might just on a genuine phone call, just say to their wives or their partners or their dads or mums or brothers, do a favor just log on and find us the answer so it's not as much fun as it used to be simply because now it's so easy to access the answers for the yeah. thing unless there's a few prisoners go well i'm going to do this on my own when there's a fail but then there's table tennis competitions and we used to have snooker competitions and then the gym would set up a gym program running there and there might be five aside football there might be basketball or not ba yeah basketball volleyball so these will all be things that would be they do them throughout the year yeah, so quite but there'd be a bigger program of it coming up at christmas because yeah. you've got to occupy prisoners at that time but Christmas Day, nothing would happen on Christmas Day. So Other than that, unlocking the doors to let them out and wander around the way. Is that more then, I think you just said it there, that's more about officers or, or the prison system providing things for prisoners to do to keep them occupied hmm. rather than doing it for any other reason. It's just, it makes more sense because they're busy. It's part and parcel of everything. Yeah. At the end of the day, it, 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 it serves two purposes, doesn't it? But I mean, in my experience, oh, my God, don't get me wrong. I'm just not sure that serves the rehabilitation purpose. But, because I'm just giving you this to keep you busy because it placates you for being difficult or being a problem. Yeah. Well, that's, that's not different than putting your children in front of your TV for an hour to have a break, for giving them stuff to get to change their behaviour. Yeah, so before you go down that road with arguments, yeah. I say to people, people say about televisions in cells, and I go, we all objected, because I come out of the 70s, mate, give me a bloody telly, what the hell's that, what's all we're coming to, what's next, oh, well, unbelievable. The toilets and sinks next <laughs> in the cells, it ended up being a pacifier, just like we put our children in front of TVs when we need to have that little bit of time to do someone else, and we ain't got time to be doing this at the same time, we do it. 
don't pacify ourselves. We sit down and watch telly ourselves, don't we? What do you think and you that? say you don't know how don't know how it fits with the rehabilitation side, but actually, if education has stopped and other things aren't running, then that ability to interact with each other well and have a community is a positive thing. Oh, absolutely. It's about and being able to interact with other prisoners and other staff members in a positive way. That's yeah. that's a good thing. Yeah, so. I, I've always found Christmas here to be a really quite a quiet day. Uh, and that may be because prisoners, I remember, particularly with the advent of phones coming in in the late 90s and more so, as it went through the early 2000s, more and more phones coming in. They're in cells now, of course, um, because that's the very time that they're going to be phoning their children up. Yeah. Very time. And that may be the time that it really does pinch. Because the kids, I can imagine some of these children crying on the end of the phone. Why aren't you at home, Daddy? I want you to be here. And Oh, you have a good Christmas, sir. I don't know, perhaps that, that child may not know that that person's in prison, remember. Not all prisoners tell their children they're in jail. Some of them don't want to do that. old enough to understand. They, they, they may not, but they don't want that. So they might make up other stories about why they can't be at home, and that's okay. They, they do whatever works for them. That, that's perfectly okay to do that. Um, but you can see, so you can see that may be a time when it does bite into them a little bit, true. Uh, and I'm not sure whether that would be the same for, 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 um, for, for Ramadan whether those prisoners at the Festival of Eid that should be with their families and celebrating with their friends and families out there, whether they will go, I assume they'd go probably through the same emotions. I would imagine so. Are all self-harm instances at Christmas? Not that I'm aware of. Not that I could put my hand on my heart and say, yes, definitely, no, I don't. It's one of those, it's just one of those things where it tends to be quiet. I can see the potential risk in that. It's the bill, so I recall, I recall certainly you'd notice sometimes when birthdays or celebrations, certain moods could Swim. dip, yeah, 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 and they could certainly struggle a little bit more yeah. emotionally with yeah. things. Um, that's what I was going to ask you. And I, and I guess birthday. birthdays are more about they're, they're very individual. So if it's my birthday, that's going to have an effect on me, or if it's my child's birthday, it's going to have an effect on me. No effect on anyone else. No yeah. one else gives a shit. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No one else cares. Um, because that's the reality of the situation. Apologies, you shouldn't swear. Um, uh, no, one else, no one else cares. That's, that's great for me. But when it's something like Christmas, for example, that's going to, you know, uh, um, connect with majority of the population. Regardless of whether you're, it's your religion or not, you're going to be aware that it happens and there's this whole... But many, many prisoners wish me happy Christmas yeah. over the years. On the day, it usually fits there on a Christmas day. Boxing day is a little bit different because remember the reason there's no work going on in prisons and nothing else. Prison, you've got to get all those staff off, and it's the same with prison staff. They want as many prison staff off at all, so they change the shift patterns very often. Not always, but many prisons change the shift patterns to make sure nobody works more than half a day. So you're either working half a day to go home and spend the rest of the day, or you're not coming to work till two o'clock until eight o'clock. I was going to ask, night shifts are night shifts, they are, the, they are. What's, what's it like staffing in the prison over Christmas? Is it quite difficult or well, is it just, it's just a rotor and you're on, you're on? Uh, well, it depends, it depends on where you are. It's one time, sometimes shift patterns are where they go. That's what the shift pattern is. If you're off, you're off. If you're on, you're on. If you're on an all day shift, you're on an all day shift. That's really an individual thing for prisons. Uh, when I was at Garton Prison, they always said that you'd either be off one day or the other. So you'd either, it doesn't matter what you're on, on the ship pattern, we all agree to it, you're either going to be off on Christmas Day or off on Boxing Day. New Year's Days, you can argue amongst yourselves, but those two days. And, and what they do is they try to swap that around. So they'll look at it the following year, see where the ship pattern falls, and go, okay, then put you on, put you off. So everybody had a chance at it, and possibly half-day shifts as well, because you've got the minimum amount of staff in your jail. That's the reality, because you've got as many off officially on annual leave and days off as you can get on those two days. It's only those two days they operate that way. But not all prisons do that. Uh, we did have a problem here for a while where one, one of the ship patterns that we brought out, it literally created a system where an officer would technically be off every Christmas and Boxing Day for nearly seven years as a part of the ship pattern. We said, well, that can't be right because that means somebody else is nearly always going to be on yeah. for the next seven years. And it could be the same person always getting caught because as the days move, so the shift pattern follows it. And you're going, well, that can't be right, can it? So they did change that and they did say, no, we're going to see if we can get many staff off. But that's, remember, that's Christmas and that's not did, the I'd say my mum. Oddly enough, when it's Ramadan, no, nothing changes. Workshops carry on working. It, it's that, what it is. It's, uh, yeah. And there's Jewish festivals as well. That's true. You wonder, like, is that more to do with society? Society, yeah. the fact that society, because. Well, like you say, the education, the education shuts down. The historical culture of this country. Yeah. Yes, the, it's a culture. It's, 
it that closes down for that reason. So therefore, but they're still following that. Yeah. My uh, my mum's a nurse and they always have a, had a similar kind of thing Christmas that the pattern just changed and it would be yeah. you worked one or the other okay. or, or they would try and do it over yes. a of years or people with younger children they would try and get those off if there was people who didn't mind working and stuff if like they that. put me on on the morning shift and I might go to the somebody but you've got kids do you want to be in the afternoon with them or do you want to be in the morning because some love to wake up with their children I go I'll do your afternoon or if I was on on a boxing day I'm off on a boxing day I might go tell you what I'll come and do your Christmas morning for you I wouldn't work all day because they didn't have their shifts. I go, but I'll come do it. So you can be off on Christmas Day. Why? Because I'll get Boxing Day off. It doesn't matter to me. When your children are grown up. I was going to say, is your, daughter, is your daughter aware of this? I'll get a present Christmas Day. We used to farm her out for Christmas yeah. week. We used to send her off to, <laughs> send her off to somewhere else. To little caravan down the back end of Wales somewhere. Like <laughs> what about New Year? Because obviously New Year's Eve, there isn't this... Well, there's no religion in New Year, is there? No, but, what, but, but I, I want to specifically pick it up because New Year traditionally is people will, you know, have a few drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I assume that doesn't happen. Um, well... But then, but, 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 <laughs> but, well, I'll let yeah. But then New Year is, you know, traditionally um, all about creating resolutions. What I'm going to do differently this year, how I'm going to improve my life or change my life. So that must be a huge thing in I, I used to have one every year, the same one. I've got to get a better paid job. <laughs> That's why, and I did that for 38 years. But and then you became a tour guide. <laughs> yeah, a tour guide. Uh, but no. Um, Volunteer tour guide. Uh, prisons can, it, you know, all prisons can be different, but I do know that Shrewsbury traditionally, New Year's Eve was as noisy. And I tell you what, if you're not used to it or you haven't ever bumped into it before, it, it, it can be really quite, because there's only two officers on a wing with 300 odd prisoners, remember? Yeah. And you're sitting there and it's gone pretty quiet and you're watching it and it's coming up, New Year's Eve coming up, the bells are starting to ring and oh, you know, 10, 9, 8, 7. Well, then the doors go boom, boom, and they start hitting their doors with everything they got. They used to have metal trays years ago, but the metal doors today make much more noise than the old wooden ones did. So you can imagine the noise was literally, oh, what's going on? And bang, bang. Bang, and then it would quiet down, 10 or 15 seconds, quiet down and just carry on, <laughs> carry on. Then you see, uh, remember our top floor in Shrewsbury, uh, on the one side of the prison, it overlooks a car park, and there's a nightclub just below that. Yeah. So on New Year's Eve, there would be loads of people floating around at two and three o'clock in the morning. So prisoners would be up having an eyeball out there, and girls would be up there. I don't know who's watching my audience, but they'd be giving a prisoner a, a, a look at their prison. Christmas presents that they're never going to get. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> but so okay, it, it, it was a, hey, have a look at what you're missing, boys. <laughs> but in that sense, so it was actually quite a, quite loud, but quite a calm environment. It wasn't. Yeah, relatively. Like, it is what it is. I'm not saying that these things aren't dangerous times as well for prisoners, of course, because Christmas is a time where you might be slightly more relaxed. You've got to be very careful, and you may have bigger groups in one place. I think there was. It might have been Brixton may have been Brixton many years ago, where they all went to a service because it was, I think it was Christmas time, where they literally started a riot in there. But it was contained at that point, or contained within that wing, rather than a full prison riot, which they would have probably enjoyed, but that it was limited to that point in time. Uh, but you can see, so they can be places where you've got to be very, very careful. Um, but no, it's... Uh, well, it's, 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 it's what it is. But. It's certainly interesting to hear, and I think um, you, you probably framed it very well there at the end, which is that, I guess, as officers, you still have to be very aware of what was going on. You can't yeah. let your guard down, no. um, forgive, forgive the pun. But it's, 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 as we always say, a prison never sleeps, never fully sleeps. There's always something going on somewhere. And I think, as you say, that it doesn't matter what's happening, whether it's someone's birthday, whether it's Christmas, or whether it's uh, Diwali, or whether it's Ramadan, whatever might be happening, for a large population of prison service or a large uh, population of prison um, uh, system is that actually there's always the potential for it to go wrong very, very fast. You're right. And when you spoke before about the potential for, for self-harming or possibly suicides in prison around the Christmas time, it's first of all been recognised that the first five to seven days of any time a prisoner comes to jail is their higher risk of self-harm and, and, and suicide. That's the highest. It doesn't matter what time of the year. But if you put the two together, and a prisoner comes into jail two or three days before Christmas, and they might have done it a few times before, this might be that one time in those first five days they've got everything set up for Christmas in their own homes, and suddenly they've been collared, and they might just be on remand, and the prison police have got them down the cell. Bail, no bail, in prison on remand. 
So you can see that might be a double jeopardy for a yeah. person coming in at that particular time, particularly when everybody... And, and we do, by tradition, gear... I mean, I'm not a big Christmas fan. I'm not a religious person anyway, but I enjoy that bit of it. But then that's not about religion at all, is it? Most of Christmas is nothing to do with religion, let's be honest. It's about, it's about food and drink and buying lots and lots of presents you never needed in your time. Yeah. Uh, and then and you mostly try to give them away to somebody else. So you know, cynical. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you know, they, we all understand what Christmas is. I think is. the bits that people miss is the family bit, isn't it? That's where it becomes. Yes. So if someone's just come into prison. I don't know why they don't have you write the John Lewis advert every right. year. Like, <laughs> like, Christmas is about food, drink, and then giving away shit. Oh, God, God, God. Giving, giving away stuff, yeah. giving away things. Well, it's more, it's more about supporting the Chinese communist regime because most of the stuff that we buy, probably 56% is nearly all made in China. So I go, hey, you want it's to support the communist? We're, we're slipping so far off the show. Um, we're going to finish it there. Uh, you know Thank, edit, you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. Um, as always, if you've got any questions, any comments, um, please do send them in. Let us know. Uh, appreciate it if you if you if you're enjoying the show. Do hit subscribe. Do share it. If you're not enjoying it, then just quite simply don't watch it. And if anybody keeps making comments that I've got the same shirt on, that's because I've got seven of these shirts. Okay. <laughs> don't say that episode. We've got seven. So thank you very much. This has been Life Behind Bars, and we'll see you on next week's episode. You've been listening to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50 Mill Media.